Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On Commons People this week, it was the Lords versus the government over Brexit, and it wasn't always pretty. Today we seem to be thinking of nothing but the rights of foreigners. Theresa May was on the defensive over disability payments. This is not a policy change. This is not... This is not a cut in the amount that is going to be spent on disability benefits. And comedian Matt Ford divulges a bit too much information about his favourite politicians. We had a really nice aftershave on all deodorant, whatever it was, it smelled very good. I I can remember that. All this and more on Commons People. Hello and welcome to Commons People, the Huffington Post politics podcast with me, Owen Bennett, Paul War, and Ned Simons. Uh, lots to talk about this week, so let's, let's crack on straight away. First of all, sorry, a quick hello, Paul, how are you? Hello, we're fine, we're fine. Ned? Hi, Owen. Good? I'm, we're chill. Great. Yeah, yeah, right, let's yeah. crack on. Yeah, enough, yeah, of this, enough, of this, enough of this banter, right. <laughs> Theresa, May, <laughs> Theresa May experienced her first defeat on the Brexit bill this week as the Lords succeeded where the Commons failed. Peers voted by 358 to 256 in favour of guaranteeing rights of EU citizens currently living in the UK. The debate was heated at times, and here is Margaret Thatcher's old attack dog, Lord Tebbit, drawing boos from his peers, his literal peers. If we are to be concerned about anybody's rights after Brexit to live anywhere on this continent of Europe, it should be our concern for the rights of British people to live freely and peacefully in those other parts of Europe. Somehow or the other, today we seem to be thinking of nothing but the rights of foreigners. There we are, referring to foreigners. Can't say foreigners anymore. <laughs> um, I mean, we're not surprised by this defeat, right? This, this no. defeat has been coming down the mountain like a big boulder for about, what, two or three weeks now? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was no surprise. What was interesting was the scale of it. 102 majority there was in that defeat. That's a large number. And the government may well now worry that some Tory MPs will feel emboldened to vote in the Commons for it. That's the only reason it, it matters. It's the size of that victory. But then again, it's worth remembering that only six Tory peers rebelled last night. Yeah, and how much do we believe this morning Baroness Meacher, who's a crossbencher, said uh, she predicted there was 30 Tory MPs to, that would vote, that would rebel? I mean, do we believe that? I don't personally think I it's going to be that many. Is such, that such a high estimate? Yeah. I really do. Unless you know something we don't. Um, mm. if, if surely if you did know that, then then you wouldn't put it out so early either. You'd leave it till a bit close to the wires to get yeah. the government concession. And, do you, and we heard there from the Lord Tebbit clip that, you know, passions did get raised. I mean, Lord Heseltine said that he was going to defy the government whip and he was going to vote for some of these amendments and that kind of stuff. Then we had Lord Tebbit saying he should be thrown out of the party. And we heard the boos there. I mean, the Lords, this is, we don't usually get this in the Lords, do we? Well, that was what was interesting. Normally, it's quite sedate and it's very civilised in the House of Lords. 
And last night, it wasn't at all. Partly because of the emotion runs high because of EU citizens. It's quite an emotional subject. You know, these are people's real lives. People are really worried about being deported or the mum and dad or their relatives being deported simply because they were born somewhere else in Europe. And that's why the, the passions ran high because unlike a lot of the Brexit debate, which seems academic a lot of the time, these are the people who are going to be really affected by it, potentially. But what was also significant was the way in which people reacted to Tebbit, but not just Tebbit, to other speakers like Michael Howard. And normally, if someone's upset in the House of Lords, you hear a little bit of a hubbub. It was more than a hubbub. This was a real full-on chuntering, you know. So Proper. chuntering is one step up from hubbub, Absolutely. Is it? <laughs> and it's sort of, you know, it made... Everyone thinks of the Lords as a bit like Statler and Waldorf. They're all just sort of, you know, they're grumbling. But actually, this was proper anger about some of the claims that were being made and there were some interventions which some peers didn't like and you, what was interesting is that the former MPs, people like Michael Howard Michael Forsyth, Ming Campbell were all the sharpest interventions and yet you have people, I hate to say, like Melvin Bragg as a big, you know I, I admire the bloke in, as a broadcaster but he just read out a script and it didn't work it shows the difference between a professional politician mm. making a point and a former MP um, and someone who's actually just there because they're relatively famous. Do you think that this result in the Lords, because there were some Tory backbenchers who felt quite betrayed, I think, by how the government acted over things like this meaningful vote on the deal. You know, Nikki Morgan was quite sort of angry. I mean, in the chamber, she was as the vote was going on a couple of yep. weeks ago, she was having an argument with the whip. Do you think this is going to embolden some of those Tory MPs who didn't rebel the first time to go, do you know what? I feel a bit screwed over by the government the first time round. The Lords are giving me an excuse here. I really can go to town. Or do you think they're all going to fall in line? I suspect they will fall in line in the end because they're so terrified of being seen to be defying the will yeah, of the people. Yeah, I think the, the people like Anna Subri and, and Morgan, who really wrestled with it the first time round, and it was a, you know a big deal for them. I think for them suddenly to, to change their mind would, in a way, undo the arguments they made the first time round, which was whilst we don't agree with this, we're voting for it because that's what the people wanted. It'd be a bit odd to now, what well, no, not that long later do the opposite thing and but then again the counter argument to that could be if you've got a big majority in the lords they now know for sure which they didn't know before if they in the commons pass this amendment it's going to become law and that i think is an interesting calculation because the lords everyone in the lords as everyone in the commons keeps saying it's the primacy of the commons that matters so people like Michael Howard who, who were saying, please don't vote for this amendment yesterday, were saying, look, it's up to the Commons. So now if you're an MP, you'll say, all right, you're throwing it back to us. It is up to us. We're going to make a decision. So people like Subri, maybe people like um, Nicky Morgan, who didn't vote for this last time. And there was only three, I think, last time we voted mm -hmm. for EU citizens. I think it was Tanya Mathias, Ken Clark and one other. Um, they may see their numbers grow. Whether or not it's enough to defeat the, you know, the, well, to be honest, we've talked about this before, the government's majority isn't its normal 16 working majority. It's about 30 on Brexit. Why? Because of the DUP. And that's why this week in PMQs, boy, did the Prime Minister love Nigel Dodds getting up in PMQs. She had a go, he had a go at the Lords, he had a go at Tony Blair, John Major, and even the soft coup. It was like he was the best Tory backbencher you could have had in PMQ. <laughs> this seems like a good time to do the Brexit briefing. Let's have that wonderful, amazing, brilliant, much called for jingle. It's better every time, isn't it? Um, so obviously this week the big kind of Brexit stuff was uh, the vote in the Lords, but there was also some other stuff. The um, Chamber of Commerce, British Chamber of Commerce, said at uh, a meeting this week that they thought the government should delay Brexit by a couple of years. They can't get a good deal. Boris Johnson came and gave one of his sort of weird kind of speeches and basically said, don't worry about that, it'll be fine. Um, Amber Rudd, the Home Secretary, said at the beginning of the week that she would unveil post-Brexit plans for overhauling 
migrant worker rules later in the year. So you know, we'll wait and see on that. Uh, but there's also some good news. Mobile phone roaming charges won't go up after Brexit. Apparently, someone at Vodafone said this week. So that's good news cool. for people like us who go abroad a lot. People like Ned, who's always off around the world. That's yeah, not true city breaks. Uh, so yeah, so, that, so I mean, what do we what do we think of this? Are we, are we more Farron or fraud? I mean, I, I, mean, th- I think it's Farron, isn't it's it? It's got to be Farron after it's, that big historic vote, isn't it? Big I mean, vote in the Lords. You also had Boris Johnson in that speech. He also sort of let slip, hinted a bit. You know, the trade deal might take longer than two years, which is not what Theresa May said. And we also had had David Davis had kind of subtly warned the cabinet that. Um, you know, a deal might not be done. So I think if you add all those little things up, as well as the big vote in the Lords, Farron's probably a bit more cheerful. I agree. Yeah, I think I agree with that as well. Excellent. Now, dear listener, you may remember a couple of weeks ago when I said about that annoying Sarah Harris who said she did the quizzes for us and then went and did her own podcast. <laughs> well, don't worry, everyone. She's back. Is she you, back? Sarah? I am back. Yeah. Is this a permanent thing now? You're going to come, come and go whenever you please? You know what? I can't make any promises, Owen. Unbelievable. Just enjoy me when I'm here. (laughs) Enjoy me when I'm here. Okay, but you're going to do the quiz this week, aren't you? I am going to do the quiz this week. Yay, what's it on? So this week, um, inspired by the announcement about sex and relationships education, I'm going to give you a sex quiz. Nice. What? Yes. (laughs) What kind of... This won't be awkward. What are you going to be up... Yeah. So what are you asking? I'm gonna. It's not a um, picture-based quiz, is it? Because that doesn't work on the radio. It's not a pop-up, is it? it would have been, but unfortunately, it just didn't really work for the podcast. No. So um, I'm going to be uh, testing your knowledge of the laws around sex. Oh. The laws, <laughs> not just in this country. Right, right, right. Um, but is this so, all part of a uh, criminal investigation? I'm not aware of. But I'm. <laughs> Owen was worried it was going to be like Nick Clegg. How many partners have you? Got? <laughs> yeah. How many laws have that, Owen broken was, yeah. in this? Yeah. Right. Uh, so basically, I want you to tell me if this thing is legal or illegal. This is, sounds really dodgy. <laughs> thing okay. does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Question one: uh, Is it legal or illegal? To have sex on a leap year in the Republic of Ireland. Oh, what, that's any legal. Point You've made that up. That's oh, no, no, so on, on the, the 29th of February. Oh, right. It's not any point <laughs> in the year. Not just the whole year. Right. Nobody. Just that one day. Uh, just one day. I even surely the Republic. If you'd said someone like Kyrgyzstan or Turkmenistan, I might have gone for this. But no, the Irish, I think, are not that No, I think, I think it is illegal. I think it's legal. I think it's I legal. Think illegal. It's legal. I made that up. Oh, I'm fine with you. Prank. So that, that girl that told you it was illegal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question two. In London, is it legal or illegal to have sex on a parked motorcycle? On a parked motorcycle? Rather than a moving one? A yeah. stationary one. Yes. Well, like, uh, as long as it's inside, I'm sure it's fine. Is, is it? What's is it outdoors? The bike. The bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Lord doesn't specify. Is it in a public place? Surely it's illegal. Yeah, I think I'd say it's probably illegal, right? It can't be legal. It can't make. It can't be like. <laughs> Apparently, it's illegal. Yeah. Yeah. It's illegal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah, makes sense. Go. Yeah. So bad. Does it? Going. Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Question three: um, Is it legal or illegal to seduce an unmarried woman in Mich- in Michigan? Ooh. Seduce. That's a great word. Like it could, it could be like you know laws that still legal. It's probably legal. Illegal. No legal. I I, I think it's illegal. It's it's the first American state we've had in this. It's got to be illegal. Yeah, I think it's illegal. It's wacky. It is actually illegal. Yeah. Wow. An unmarried woman. Yeah. Hang on a second. (laughs) Oh, and sing again. God, I did that. (laughs) How did they ever get married then? I mean, it's not through seduction, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, Okay. uh, Question four. 
legal or illegal to have sexual relations with the city's mayor if you were not born in York? So if you're not born in York, you can't yeah. have sex with the mayor of the city? Mm-hmm. I reckon mm. that's... I mean, is that a law that he brought in? Is it like <laughs> yeah. someone at school or really she. liked? Or she, yeah. Um, I think Everyday sexes, you've made yeah. that yeah. up. I think, I think you made that made up. Because I think you I went think to York legal. Uni and I think you've made it up ah. a York thing. Yeah. You're really trying to trying to subconsciously yeah. guess it. Hey! <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, okay. I think I think that's illegal. Everyday sex. No, legal. I said legal. Whatever. What is it? I said legal. Yeah, whatever so, Ned says. I'm not wrong. I'm going to say legal. It's totally legal. I did make that up. Yeah. I can't. Okay. Sorry. So you can, if you're not born in York, have sex with the York mayor? Yes. Good. Let's go. <laughs> uh, and finally, is it legal or illegal in the state of Georgia to buy a sex toy without a medical note? <laughs> I bet that's illegal. That's brilliant. I, I, yeah, I bet that's... In Amer- Georgia, Georgia, America, this. Georgia, America. <laughs> you yeah. have to have a doctor's note. I, I reckon note. it's illegal, yeah. I think you need, I think you need a doctor's <laughs> note. If you haven't got a doctor's note, it's illegal. I'm with... Uh, that sounds so plausible. <laughs> you go to the doctor's and you say... I need this. Doctor, I doctor. Need, yeah. <laughs> Relief. Yeah. I, I think, I What's happened to this quiz? I think you're right. I think you do need a doctor's note. You do need a doctor's really? note. Wow. Yeah. 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 Well done, guys. Your sex law knowledge is pretty good. Thank God. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> cheers. Oh, Thanks, oh, Sarah. Well. Thanks for coming in. Thank Thanks. you very well. See you next week? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> okay, cheers. You're listening to Commons People, the Huffington Post politics podcast. Now, I'm not saying this podcast is directly influencing UK politics, but Jeremy Corbyn did his own version of In Case You Missed It this week at PMQs. The Labour leader pulled Theresa May up on an attempt to change the rules on who can claim a specific disability benefit, the personal independence payment. The changes would deny 160,000 people with mental health problems an increase in benefits. Ministers announced the move last Thursday in a written statement to Parliament, where most MPs were focused on the Copeland and Stoke by-elections. Uh, written statements often used as a way to announce policy changes under the radar, although the Prime Minister denied that was the intention. This is not a policy change. This is not, this is not a cut in the amount that is going to be spent on disability benefits, and no one is going to see a reduction in their benefits from that previously awarded by the DWP. So Theresa May saying there, this is no change to the policies, really clarifying it, but it does look bad, especially coming in the week when George Friedman, the Tory policy chief, said that, you know, these payments only go to the, the really disabled, not people who just sit at home taking pills because they're mentally ill. That's why I think Jeremy Corbyn, obviously, he knew he was onto something when he talked about this being further proof of the nasty party. And to be honest, in a, in a way, that's the one line that any of us can probably remember from PMQs from Corbyn, that one line, the nasty party is back because of all this. He asked, I think, just perhaps too many questions about it and it got a bit bogged down, but... I think his team would be quite happy he got that line out there and he somehow managed to remind people, look, when it comes to benefits, the Tories, you know, haven't suddenly become some sort of touchy-feely organisation despite Damon Green trying to change things. And it's also a problem because Theresa May tried to make this big pitch for... um dealing with mental health issues um, a few months ago, a few weeks ago. So this kind of undermines it. Even if she's technically correct that they're not changing the rules, they're just keeping them as they wanted them to be, 
that doesn't really translate to to your average voter. They'll say, hang on, you're cutting benefits for people with mental health issues. I thought you said you wanted to help people. That's what it would be seen as. I think that's the political difficulty because the whole point of that mental health stuff that she went out and and promoted quite, um, you know, with a lot of feeling and she made big speeches about it, is it was about saying, look, we have changed, we get this, we're a modern party anyone in the modern world realises that anxiety is a proper mm. issue, it's not just some sort of flaky thing, the whole snowflake thing, we're not part of that it was about distancing the Tories from that unfortunately that's all come back now and I think really they, what this was all about was hard cash at the end of the day, it was mm. the, there's some bill that was attached to it, they estimated the government it would cost about th- more than £3 billion extra if they allowed these new exemptions and they simply don't have the money if your if your whole pitch is as you guys both said in the speech you gave earlier this year, and we hear it a lot, is making uh, physical and mental health parity, parity of uh, resources, and just parity of kind of the way that you treat them as well. This this does completely undermine that. Yeah, I think it does. And also the way they dealt with it, I mean, they've been accused of sneaking out, um, but and for Theresa May to say, oh no, we didn't sneak out, we did a written ministerial statement, is is ludicrous, because that's what that's how you sneak things out. Tell me about the phone calls, tell me about the phone calls. Oh, so this, we've got this, this, really this good. absurd phone call situation. So um, <laughs> Damien Green, who's working pension secretary, and there's Debbie Abrams, who's the shadow working pension secretary. At now, time of recording. At the, yeah, well, quite. <laughs> and Labour's were upset that they weren't told... Um, what this change was going to be made on Thursday, and they accused Damien Green of not telling what's going to happen. And there's this whole row over the phone calls. Now, Damien Green says that his office phoned Debbie Abrams' office on Thursday morning and try and get in touch with her, but they got no reply. And then he phoned on uh, Friday morning as well, but they got no reply. They finally got... He left a phone message at four o'clock on the afternoon of the Thursday after the announcement had been made. Abrams' office got back on Monday gave him her mobile number. He then texted Debbie Abrams personally to say what had happened, and then they spoke. So there's this really intricate argument over who phoned who when and whether it counts as informing her or not. Now, I kind of, looking at it, to me it seems like Damien Green did try to get in touch. He did phone her office, constituency and parliamentary office, but no one answered. But he didn't leave a message until after it's it had been so done. Thick of it, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is a bit of a farce. And to be honest, I think they both kind of messed up there. To be honest, like you could have left a message earlier, but also you could have answered your phone. Yeah. It's not just the, the the extra billions they've got to find uh, for these pips. There was they've also got to find for the NHS another billion, haven't they? Because there was another billion. Sorry, mm. uh, because. There, there's been a change to the way that compensation is calculated to do with insurance claims. I mean, I've read this story about 10 times and I'm still really confused about it. It is right? complicated. Basically, on, Paul, we reported this on. on Sunday night. What the what Liz Truss, the Lord Chancellor, who's got this quasi-judicial role, as they call it in government, means that basically she, she acts not as a minister, but almost like a, a legal authority. She decided that the thing called the discount rate on compensation payouts for people who are really badly injured um, should change. Effectively, that meant that individuals, about 2,500 individuals every year who are really badly injured, whether it's in medical negligence cases, whether you know they're a soldier injured in the, in the line of their duty at the MOD, whether you're in some horrific car accident, there's a, a small number of people who get very big payouts. Now, what they're allowed to do is invest that lump sum payout in the stock market. And what she did, Liz Truss, this week was change the way, the rate of return on that to make sure they got even more money. The problem with changing the rate of return on that is that it's massive new cost for the insurance industry. And where does the money come from? The insurance industry were warning government behind the scenes for months saying, look, if you change this, 
car bills are going to go up. Car insurance for millions are going to go up because we can't afford this. It's going to cost us a lot of money. It's a small number of people, but it's a huge amount of money. And more importantly, the NHS. Um, you know, medical negligence, again, there's a small number of cases, but they're very expensive. And changing this small change in the rate would have, we got an, an estimate from one of the insurers on Sunday, it would cost more than a billion pounds every year, not just a billion pounds one-off, a billion pounds every year extra to the NHS. Now, when this first came out, number 10 um, said, look, of course, we'll fully fund this, we'll protect the NHS. And people, we were in the lobby briefing when we heard this, we said, hold on a sec, if you can suddenly magic a million, a billion quid up for the NHS for this, why can't you do it for social care? And number 10 didn't have any answer. That's why you saw very, very quickly the day after the Chancellor announced this very swift U-turn where he said, we're going to have an instant rapid review of this decision. And he effectively undermined Liz Trust, said, right, OK, she's made that decision. It's nothing to do with me. It's a legal decision. However, we're going to review the way the whole system works. And you can bet your bottom dollar, because it was a joint statement with the insurance industry, that they're going to ameliorate that. And Liz Truss is looking on thin ice, to be honest, in, in a possible reshuffle after there's, there's all been, this. There's been other things in there to do with prisons as well. Yeah. It's not, she's not exactly set the world on fire, has she? Her and Sajid Javid, I think, would be the two. If you're They're in the departure lounge, as yeah. someone put and it to me. Kind of not a Malaysian <laughs> departure lounge, I hope. Is it her response to the judges as well during the Supreme Court vote, which yeah. we've seen not to defend them quick yeah. enough, maybe wasn't doing yeah. any favours? Uh, PMQ's um, <clears throat> had a bizarre moment where Theresa May said the word incredible in like incredible kind of way or something, right? it was really weird. Wait, do, do that again incredible and then uh, <laughs> she uh, it was because she was talking about the by-elections right which we won't rake over particularly but um there's gonna be another by-election because father of the house gerald kaufman who was one of the sort of the most sort of dapper mps mm. you'd ever see so fantastic range of suits and he was a guy who'd been in parliament since like like when William the Conqueror landed or something. <laughs> He's a re- it was a, it, unfortunately, he died this week, and he was a really well-respected MP, but that does mean you're going to have a by-election in Manchester, Gordon. Gordon. And, yeah. But Labour there have got a majority of like 3 million or something, so like 20,000. Yeah, yeah, but only so since the last election. So I don't think it should be, should, it should be written off, because whilst they've got, yeah, a 20, a huge ele- they've got 24,000 majority yeah. in 2015, but the previous years, the Lib Dems were much closer. The majority Labour had was about 5,000 in 2010, I think, maybe 6,000 oh, the one really? before. So whilst I think... This is expert knowledge. Yeah, though, you know. the Greens came second last time, but it, traditionally the Lib Dems have been the second place party and not that far away. I, I think it'd be hard for them to get it, but I think... The idea it'd be a cakewalk for Labour is not right. right. I think the Lib Dems have a good chance of really pushing Labour, you know, uh, reducing that majority down. So I think it could be more interesting than perhaps you see on the face of it with that huge majority yeah. that Calvin But it's had. because it's a slightly bigger majority, well, quite a lot big, bigger majority than Copeland, for example, 10 times yeah. the Copeland majority as it stands. Um, Labour's own internal selection battle really, really matters because not a lot of people know this, but Manchester Gorton, Gerald Kaufman's own local constituency party, is in special measures and has been in special measures, as Labour calls it, for a long time because of local politicking, all sorts of various allegations swirling around about what's happening in the party. Because of that, the party centrally will decide who becomes their candidate for this by-election. They won't just draw up a short, short list, but they'll actually decide who gets it. And that's why you'll see... I mean, without unseemly haste, obviously the the Kaufman's uh, funeral took place this week. So now people are beginning to think properly about dipping their toe in the water. And I think it's going to be a fascinating battle for that seat. 
could be Corbynista then? Is that is that is that what well, you're, I mean, we, you're we talked about, about this, one uh, guy this week. week called Sam Wheeler, whose name had been mentioned. He introduced Corbyn at the Salford rally last year, and it, a lot of people really rate him on the left. However, I think he's quite surprised at being named in a way. Um, but <laughs> well, Hoffington Post when he turned on his computer and saw that, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, there are other local people, the various MEPs in, interested, and even possibly this is a curveball. Uh, former MP for Manchester Central, Tony Lloyd, who is only a few months older than uh, Mr. Jeremy Corbyn. So it, he could be seen as a safe pair of hands. Sort Straight of into the shadow cabinet. You know. Yeah. So it's interesting. Well, it might pull, pull Flynn feel a bit <laughs> older, would it? Or younger? I don't know. Younger. Uh, I think I'm going to say George Galloway then for some reason. Anyway, so anyway, but this week I decided not to go to the Commons to watch PMQs, didn't I? Because I instead invited political comedian Matt Ford over to uh, HuffPost HQ to watch it with me in, in a not at all ripoff of Gogglebox. Okay, <laughs> this was not at original all original thing, right? Uh, I mean, we sat down and had pizzas. I don't know why we did this. I mean, none of you guys it's stopped. A brilliant me. I just, idea. I just kept doing it, and then <laughs> anyway, you can watch the video on our website, um, and it's quite funny watching Matt almost choke when Theresa May does her incredible, incredible, thing. incredible. Um, but I also asked Matt for his take on some of the many, many MPs he's interviewed over the years, and here's here's a section of that interview. You've interviewed many people on your on, on Spun and on your podcast. I mean, you interview Alan Johnson every other week, it seems. Like <laughs> yeah, 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 he's on the uh, And I wanted to, just, I was just, I'm going to say some words to you, right? And I want you to say the first MP that comes into your head. Oh! Words, okay? Yeah, okay. Cleverest. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Really? And I don't know if that's just a class thing, you know. Because I'm now thinking, well, it must be Tony Blair, because... He's a really clever guy, yeah. but Jacob Rees-Mogg just has the yeah. air of someone who knows everything. Yeah, I was at, uh, even I know that he doesn't. I was at a dinner with him once, not just me and him. Yeah. That'd be weird. And um, someone mentioned something about Napoleon, and he went for fifty minutes about how Napoleon's main problem was not getting food to the to the troops in the front. And I was like, what? How do you know this? This guy filibusters even when he's on lunch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's got a lovely manner about him, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Very slow, <laughs> but very gracious, Owen. And you do know your stuff. It's very impressive what you're doing. He's such a lovely guy. He is. He's one of the most likable people I've ever met. He's a bit, yeah. I saw him at Lords once. I don't often go to Lords, but I had a free ticket, and it was with three drinkers. So I was absolutely like trash. the free pizzas today. Like so the free pizzas. Like, Jacob. I saw him. Oh hello, man. Like didn't say. Oh, what the fuck is going on? It was so like I was there with like three pints of pims. Just like hello, mate. Sunburn, Hawaiian shirt. All right, mate. He's the like well. yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> Just the local hooligan. Uh, okay, funniest. Funniest MP, Michael yeah. Fabricant. Intentionally funny, or just well? Because he is. In what the terms of the question? What did the British people vote for when they <laughs> voted funny? Funny. Okay, okay Michael Fabricant. Uh, most miserable. Most miserable. Oh crikey! Or dour. Say dour. It probably would have been Gordon Brown. Yeah, I think he's probably, not an MP anymore. No. I think I think John McDonnell looks really uh, maybe not miserable, but he doesn't look happy a lot of the time. No, he doesn't, does he? Um, I think he looks maybe he's angry. Maybe that's different. He always wears a black suit, and he's got that way of talking that he's trying not to bloody shout. What camera am I on here? You know that sort of thing. Just, think, just chill. <laughs> you know, just, that was funny. Yeah, what yeah. camera am I on here? Uh, and I'll tell you something. These bloody rebels. You know, it feels like. Ah! He's going to eventually properly lose it. Who's the who's the, the slowest MP? The slowest? Yeah. What, in terms of speech? <laughs> just not in terms of speech or speed, but in terms of, like, mental, you know, it's difficult to have banter with. Oh, I see. 
What, of all the ones I've interviewed? Yeah. I don't think any of them have been particularly slow. They've always got the jokes, they've always got the... Let me think now. I don't think I've interviewed anyone that hasn't... I'm just... Is that a cop-out to say no? I, I can't think of anyone that's been slow. Can you? No. <laughs> have you interviewed that? Are there any... What MPs do you think are slow? Um. I don't know if I want to say on camera. <laughs> yeah, it happened for me too. Because I've still got to use him as contacts. Yeah, so you, have I. Yeah, trying like, to get him on the TV. Yeah, you love coming on your show. They don't want to talk to me, do they? I've got to be nice <laughs> to them. Okay, who is the most fragrant? The most fragrant? In the sort of Mary Archer sense? Yeah. Uh, crikey. One of them, if it was a, it was a fellow actually had really nice aftershave. Who was it? It might have been Alan Johnson. I can so believe that. Yeah, he wears... he's a right course. mod, isn't he? Yeah, so, yeah. He, he had a really nice aftershave on, or deodorant, whatever it was, yeah. it smelled very good. Okay. I, I can remember that. I think, uh, loudest? Uh, oh, loudest? These are... Ri Farage. Really? Oh, very loud. Very loud. So, even when being interviewed, very much like this. No, no, no. Hold on. Rah, rah, rah. Lots of... Um... What people don't realise about Farage, as someone who, has, for some reason, spent a lot of time with him, he's got a weird secret laugh he does. Where he sounds like a snake. He goes, <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a good He doesn't do that on television. But if you do it off camera, he goes, <laughs> That's so, a yeah, great observation. It's, it's quite um, most disappointing. Most disappointing? Yeah. Who would you That's think is a really sad be? question. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very. It's what, a Gordon Brown again? To the um, no, because anyone that you thought, oh, it's they're going to be really good, and actually they were not quite as. I don't know. I think most of them are really interesting people. Because so mm. part of your broadcast is the idea is to humanise politicians. Yes. You were doing this for people, you know, it's been a sort of drive recently, but you would, the, your main reason was, look, politicians are not what you think they are. They yes. are people with hopes and dreams. So even yeah. when you interview someone like Suzanne Evans from UKIP, who said yeah. you don't agree with politics, but you like... Yeah, she's great. Really good to interview, really good to listen to, and she's gracious and thoughtful, and she has very different opinions on the world she wants to live in than the one I want to live in, but... Doesn't stop her being a human being. Um, so I think which ones? I don't think any of them are disappointed. I think with all of them, there's always been like a real nugget or, or something. You find out something about them that you you didn't expect. That's a great J.K. Rowling Morgan impression, isn't it? He really, <laughs> he, he absolutely nailed it. And it, it. sort of feels it. like he just made it up just then. I'm yeah. sure he didn't, but no, it no. seemed sort of uh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, anyway, it's the feature that I can't stop thinking about. It's in case you missed it. <laughs> Excellent. With you, Ned. Go on, then. What have you you've been getting your abacus out this week, haven't you, to look at party yeah, funding? Yeah, so, and there's some party figures came out today of donations, and for the first time, the Lib Dems have got more money or more donations than Labour. I'm doing a lot of Lib Dem chat today, aren't I? But, oh, yeah, that makes so, a change. Well, yeah, <laughs> so um, the Liberal Democrats got um, £1,972,000 in donations, and Labour got £2,000. Over, over, over the course of three months? Yeah, yeah, like, over three months, sorry. and Labour got £2,000 less than that. So it's kind of, you know, the Lib Dems in their sort of post-Brexit kind of carving their niche out and now glow. They're, getting glow. Some, they're getting some cash from it as well which is quite interesting for them and I think it's the first time ever yeah they, they've had this money and also UKIP did pretty badly UKIP only got £33,200 donation which is only 3000 more than the Women's Equality Party Wow! and it's also um, less than the Co-op Party the Green Party and obviously the Tories came top with about yeah, yeah. like 100 million well no was it 100 million? well it was it was three and a half million right, but okay. we'll round it up yeah yeah we'll round it up yeah yeah so so 
basically, so that, I mean, that kind of goes, you look at the polls, right? That, you know, Lib Dems are doing better than Labour, but it's just about UKIP, right? So UKIP yeah. are really, because they're tearing themselves apart at the moment. Is that why? What, what's going, you're the kind of UKIP expert in the I room. Am. Like, if, you're, so if you're Mr. Lib Dem, then like Mr. <laughs> uh, Mr. UKIP. Uh, <laughs> it's just another one of those crazy weeks where basically it emerged that Douglas Carswell wasn't particularly helpful in trying to get Nigel Farage a knighthood. Um, and some emails emerged between uh, Douglas Carswell and a UKIP peer in which uh, Carswell said that he had spoke to the Tory chief about getting Farage mm. knighthood, but maybe he should get an OBE for services to headline writers instead. And this sort of... Uh, troll. Yeah, troll, troll, very troll. And this sort of leaked out into the public domain, and Farage then kicked off Mastery saying, Carswell, we've just, we've just got to kick him out. And his evidence for this was uh, a book. Yeah, what book was that? It Owen? was the Brexit plot. Let's, yeah. cut, let's cut this. <laughs> cut this. Like, we haven't got. Was, I'm not just. I know this is a little bit self-indulgent, but hey, this is this is me. But the, it was quite funny because my book came out four or five months ago now, and in it, one of the things of the book was that Carswell admitted to me that the only reason he joined UKIP, it was a plan with him and Dan Hannan, the Tory MEP, mm. was to get in and neutral. These are the words he used to neutralise Nigel Farage ahead of the referendum. Nigel Farage was seen as too toxic and he turned off so many people. So he wanted to get into UKIP, neutralise it, because he said UKIP was becoming to politics what kryptonite was to Superman. So this came out like last... I know no one really read the book, I get that, right? But it did get written up in the mail on Sunday and it was noted, right? Mm. Nothing was done about Carswell. I mean, that isn't so why, why is it now? Is it just that Farage finally got to your I book? Or Farage that he's been waiting for, it to, for a moment know. to think, this is my evidence? Maybe it's the knighthood thing just... Finally, it's him over the edge. So Farage has been going around basically saying, you know, kick Carswell out because he's clearly betraying the party. A lot Bill Etheridge and other MEP who also stood in the leadership in the first time around last year has also called for him to go. Um, the fact that they didn't win Stoke as well, maybe they were waiting for that and they're blaming, they thought, you know, if Nuttall won Stoke and you've got another MP in the House of Commons, he might have thought mm. that could negate Carswell's influence and get some of the infamous short money. Which the, money yeah, yeah. the public funds you get uh, that didn't happen obviously so there is this massive round and it's sort of you know it's to do with personalities but it's also to do with philosophy of the party but my theory is this I think Farage has got it so wrong about Carswell I think Carswell blocked the knighthood because he didn't want Farage to become part of the establishment he was trying to keep Farage <laughs> pure oh. he was saying no Nigel for your own good <laughs> looking after him oh yeah that's what I think so uh, so yeah we, we, you know you keep just the gift it, is, really. it does keep on giving as well Certainly does for me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> available in all good bookshops. Exactly, and some well, some, some of them. Yeah. Like, anyway, so, so yeah, so we, I mean, we could have talked about so much this week. It was a really, really busy week in politics, and that is why you should definitely sign up. I'm not just saying this to Paul's morning email because that has been really good at navigating everyone through this week, and also to my Brexit briefing, of course, which comes out every Thursday. And I don't do anything. Lib Dem briefing. Yeah, Lib Dem briefing. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, see you next week. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.